Uh, I think we begin on a very historic uh, day and we're dealing with this wonderful historic or historical novel at one level, right? And uh, we have the storming of Capitol Hill, right? Which goes back to the French Revolution and the storming of the Bastille, right? So I hope in ages hence, when you talk about your BA experience, you will remember that on a historic, after a historic occurrence, which made uh, this great person called Immanuel Kant uh, leave behind his regular timetable and shift from it, right? Yeah, we have a similar thing, not against the monarchy, but against democracy, which of course has happened in India and is going to happen in India even more, right? But has happened in the United States on a very important day, right? Yeah, so I think uh, it's quite uh, ironic that we are at this point of time discussing Tale of Two Cities, the storming of the Bastille, the idea of uh, revenge, right? Which is antithetical to what Christianity is talking about and what the novel is upholding, right? So I think with uh, that brief kind of introduction, we need to get into some other bits which are very important, right? Like we are talking about the vulgarity of things, right? We're talking about, and that's perhaps uh, from Carlyle. I've not read Carlyle and I'm going to read him because uh, the novel actually is interesting in as much as it's Dickens's 12th novel, right? So it's a different kind of Dickens writing, right? And uh, I'll give you this uh, thing that is here with me uh, by George Wilcox, right? He's talking about how Dickens is, this is a different kind of a Dickens novel, which doesn't fall into the typical details and characters and character uh, like Pumblechook and Brad uh, Rhine and uh, Bumblebee and all those other kinds of characters that you have. Okay, yeah, and uh, Magwitch, right? So you can't forget all those people, and they are from uh, Scrooge, right? Yeah, these have become iconic, right? And even the uh, the representations of them in, as cartoons have become iconic, right? But this is a different kind of a novel, right? And uh, when you look at the ending part of it, right, I couldn't but notice something very important, right? That is uh, this whole idea of uh, running out of Paris, right? Running away from Paris, right? Yeah, and we're talking about how he's giving you one scene about running away and the other scene in Paris where you have Mr. Cruncher and uh, Miss Poss discussing how they will keep these people uh, from pursuing these uh, poor immigrants who are leaving or these poor citizens and they are thinking in advance, something that Dr. Man, uh, Manet doesn't think about, right? Yeah, uh, so that's, he doesn't expect that uh, uh, Charles is going to be uh, again arrested, right? And that's something that he did, uh, okay, because that was an opportune moment to leave Paris, right? Yeah, but they're not encounter a revolution like our United States has not seen uh, an assault of democracy like we've seen with the Babri Majid and all the other things that are keeping going on over here in our country, right? Yeah, the assault on democracy has been there for a long, long time and uh, it's become the new normal for us, right? And of course, the Americans will have to put up with that because they've been doing all this nonsense in other parts of the world, right? Yeah, whether it's Howdy Trump or whatever that is, Howdy Modi, whatever that kind of thing is, or it's in the African states where you have the banana republics uh, and the hoi polai getting at the at the, uh, the whole idea of getting at the uh, the 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 rule of law and uh, order, right? Yeah, which is something that America has engineered in Latin America and. They also, the media makes 
full hay out of all this, right? Yeah, if you had seen the representation of the Babri Masjid, it's actually showing us as barbarians, which I think uh, is partly true because that's a very barbaric act. When you plan, oops, oops, what is going on? No, there's something. Oh. Just give me a second. Start again. Good to move. No, it's not something for you to do. Okay. shut down and I didn't know why it was doing that maybe the antivirus okay uh, yeah so okay, we're talking I had a question pardon I had a question okay yes we see in the end that uh, all those people Charles Darnay Krishna can you hear pardon no I was wondering to Krishna so in the end in the novel we do see that Charles Darnay Lucy Mallet Dr. Manet and Charles Lowry, they all escaped from Paris mm. and they all fly away to London. So is it that uh, once they reach London, all these people can't harm them? Yeah. The departures and all those revolutionaries, they can't harm them in, Lon in London? Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that's an important question. And that you might, if you have seen The Sound of Music, uh, that's what happens. Right, and if you have, uh, yeah. So the idea is, uh, you have political immunity across the border, right? Yeah. So that's why crossing borders, actually, uh, in an age after Dickens, uh, when you read uh, this person called W. H. Auden, right? Uh, Mr. Norris changes trains, right? 
yeah that's not uh, it's by uh, uh, it's by Auden and Isherwood right uh, and Isherwood writes uh, he writes five novels like that right so he's talking about in 1930 crossing of borders is even more uh, important right because you're trying to escape from the Germans you're trying to get out of fascist territory and trying to be free right so uh, that is still something that we see in India today, right? In fact, one of my students, when Modi was elected, he said, I'm not even going to come back to India, right? Yeah, so uh, that's uh, as interesting as it gets. And uh, you, you immediately find that you get uh, immunity across the border, right? Yeah, and of course, uh, you have, uh, you, you get political immunity, that's there. Of course, we are talking about a time when there were no passports, right? Yeah, you get that very clearly in the novel. He's got a certificate which says that he's English, right? Okay, and of course, uh, you know, the, it, it wouldn't matter to any of the revolutionaries, right? Whether you're English or not English, right? If they wanted to get you, right? So I think uh, your question is a valid question, right? And uh, the idea is... Uh, if you wanted to get these people back, then you would have to kidnap them perhaps, right? Okay, and England was not a place where that could happen, right? So, uh, of course, this is a fictional story, right? We have some real stories in real life, right? And when we're talking about revenge, we're talking about taking revenge on the Muslims and the Mughals and we're killing all the Muslims today, right? We don't think about the fact that Sivaji escaped from Aurangzeb in a basket of sweets, right? Yeah, and the person, and the same thing has happened historically, right? The person who replaced him was a Muslim man and he was killed, right? That story is not being told. And I think that's something interesting that Dickens might have got uh, uh, very uh, high about, right? Because this is a true story, right? So we have the idea of somebody sacrificing his life for somebody else, right? And of course, we hear only partial stories, right? So at one level, this is a fairly complex novel because it's taking a different kind of turn, right? It's take uh, where do you think uh, Dickens stands? Is he actually standing for the aristocrats, right? Or do you get that kind of understanding, right? Or do you get a more balanced view, right? Because the first part of the novel is actually, and the whole letter of Manet, right? Yeah, is actually showing you a different kind of picture, right? It's actually showing you the aristocrats as really horrible and terrible people, right? Yeah, and that's exactly what happened, okay? And that still happens, right? We know that's happening in our country also, right? Where uh, we have all these rape incidents for poorer people and lower caste people, and all the culprits get away, right? Yeah, that's nothing new, right? But uh, the idea of revenge and uh, when uh, all these things fit together is when you have uh, Dickens, actually I should have mentioned it in my last lecture, I remembered it just when I uh, finished, right? He's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, right? And the God of the New Old Testament is a God of revenge, right? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's what the Mosaic law is, right? Which is which is what you find in a very primitive kind of Islam, right? Yeah? And many people believe in that kind of revenge, right? So where does this revenge motive come from? One is from the Bible, right? And you have the Old Testament and the New Testament where uh, it's repeated again and again that uh, I am the resurrection and the life, I think it's at least three times in the novel it's repeated, right? That's what goes on playing in uh, Sidney Carton's head, right? And that's what also plays out in the end, right? When he's going uh, to the guillotine, right? Yeah? And the idea is that you have uh, in the New Testament, no man has greater love than this, that he gives up his life for a friend, right? That's the idea, right? And it's an indictment of the barbarity in the world, especially in the French Revolution, right? Because, and of course, it's very difficult to say that, because when a revolution happens, 
hundreds of things happen, right? And it's one transition to another, right? It's just like the partition of India, right? When that happened, there's a lot of chaos. There are different stories that are being told, right? And it's very difficult to, uh, to actually wonder who's right and who's wrong, right? And that's where the situational ethics comes in when you have Miss Poss and Madame Defarge, right? Yeah? And the shooting that takes place, right? And the idea of do you have your critical apparatus in its place? Or have you given up your idea of thinking critically, right? Which seems to be the case in India today, right? But it's not totally so, right? It's with a huge lot of people, right? Who have given up thinking, right? Who have given up thinking critically, right? And there's only a small percentage of people who think critically all over the world. The same is what is happening in the United States today. The white supremacist, right? Yeah, so you have those kind of people and we have our fundamentalists who are fascists from India who are equally uh, non-thinking, right? Yeah, and the idea is this goes back in history and in, this goes back in time, right? Where you have people who are in such uh, strange kind of positions, right? And they they actually support somebody in spite of being, being hurt and uh, injured and all those kind of things, right? Yeah. So uh, when we're talking about this is what uh, actually uh, Dickens is actually talking about the death of Christianity, right? Yeah. And he's actually talking about, uh, of course, there is some kind of praise for the English, right? Which you get, right? And that is, I've not read um, Carlyle's uh, French Revolution, so I can't really talk about that. But the idea is that Hume and uh, Locke, uh, Hume and Burke are the people who don't uh, or prevent the uh, French Revolution happen happening in England, right? Uh, something like the French Revolution happening in England. But that's again a very conservative view which I don't agree because England has already had all that kind of violence with uh, Cromwell, right? With the uh, killing of uh, uh, Charles the First, right? Uh, so you have all that kind of violence is already there, right? The idea of getting rid of the monarchy, okay? And then you have the restoration and then you have the bloodless revolution. So England has already learned, right? Yeah, this is what you call, uh, uh, what is Hume use, right? Of collective unconscious, right? Yeah, that's that's a collective unconscious, if you like. I don't know if I'm using the right term for it, right? But the idea is we are talking today in terms of cultural memories, right? So when we're talking about cultural memories, and we have a government who is playing with this idea of cultural memory and trying to distort it, right? They're trying to rewrite history and doing all those kind of things. And what we have at Capitol Hill, if you write today a tale of two cities, we'll talk about Capitol Hill and our own uh, capital, which is Delhi, right? Where uh, we have the criminals right inside running the government, right? Yeah, and we all know about it, and some of us support them, right? And have elected them into power. So that's as uh, horrible as humanity is, right? So at one level, it's talking about revenge. The actual words in the book, if you want, I'll read them out for you, right? It's talking about revenge, right? And it's talking about revenge that somebody, ha okay, uh, of a crime that somebody has not done, right? Yeah, and Charles uh, Darnley has not committed any crime against the local people, right? It, in fact, he's given up everything for uh, uh, everything with his family, right? You get that whole thing where he's given up any kind of contact with the family, right? He's taken his mother's name. He's denounced his aristocracy, right? He lives as a commoner, right? All those kind of things happen, right? And the question is, the uh, people still have revenge, right? Which is antithetical to what the Bible is talking about, right? Yeah, and the Bible is actually saying, forgive, right? Yeah, do good to those who persecute. That's what... The, uh, what is that thing called? The Sermon on the Mount in the New Testament is actually trying to say, right? Yeah, and you have this total uh, lack of respect 
for the kind of religion that they believe in, right? Yeah, and that's why the cathedral becomes an important site where Miss Poss is supposed to meet uh, 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 Cruncher, right? Yeah. So what happens to Cruncher? Cruncher has a change of heart, right? That whole uh, ending of the novel is very, very romantic. It's highly emotional, right? When you you find uh, the seamstress, I don't remember her name, right? Uh, or I don't know if her name is even mentioned, right? You have the seamstress and you have uh, Sydney Carton, right? Uh, and she says, I'm being killed for something I've not done. I'm innocent, right? Yeah. We think of all the people who are in prison today in our country who are innocent and are doing good things to other people, right? Uh, you might have Stan the Swami and uh, Sudha Bharadwaj and all these kind of people who are innocent people who are just locked up for no rhyme or reason, right? Yeah. And uh, we all know that and everybody knows that, right? And all these are political prisoners, which is terrible and these things keep happening, right? So you, you find that echo and you look at humanity and you look at what has changed about human beings, right? So at one level, you get the idea of transcending the ordinary kind of revenge, right? Yeah, that's one of the levels in which the novel operates, right? Okay, so you get the highest in humanity, right? Where you have Sidney Carton who gives up his life, right? For this lady love of his, right? At one point of time. So that's something that nobody might want to do. Maybe people would have revenge and say, well, this woman went and married that guy and let him, let her be punished now. Now let her know the consequences, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's one of the things. Or as you have a love in the time of cholera, this man waits for so many years till the woman is old and then, uh, uh, so you have love over there, right? Yeah, after her husband dies and off, after all those kind of things happen, right? So when we look at the novel, the question is, how do you understand love, right? Yeah, and uh, the idea is, I was thinking of, Elizabeth Barrett Browning's sonnet, which is, I shall still love thee, love thee better after death, right? Yeah, so that's uh, a Victorian sonnet, right? Because uh, we are talking about this whole idea of uh, uh, Browning and Elizabeth Barrett who are terribly Victorian uh, kinds of poets, right? Yeah, uh, yeah so we, we get this idea of the extreme amount of emotion in the last bit of the novel, right? We also get Dickens's detail, right? The character detail and all those other things that are happening, right? And we get the political plot and we get the love plot, right? And the love triangle, right? And actually it's it's uh, even more complicated, right? Because I think Cruncher also has a crush on Lucy, right? You remember that scene, right? Where Cruncher and uh, 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 Laurie are talking and he says, well, lay off, right? Because uh, you don't have a chance there and all those kind of things, right? Yeah, so we have all those kind of things happening, okay? We also see that uh, this man who's quite a bad person, who robs his sister, etc., that's Solomon, right? Who is uh, the one who actually helps uh, uh, Dani uh, to get away, right? Yeah. He's actually doing that, right? So uh, Dickens is, at one level, looks as if it's black and white, right? When you have, uh, or like a, a cheap Hindi movie where you have the villain punished and the good people rewarded, right? But it's not so. It's not so simple as that because uh, what has uh, Carton done to be executed? What has the little seamstress done uh, to be executed, right? Yeah, and uh, so that's something that uh, is not quite it, right? And it looks as if it's this kind of a, the good are punished, right? That's very, very melodramatic. And uh, this person actually says that it's from a play uh, called uh, Deep, uh, Deep Frost or Deep Freeze or something. I, I'll just give you the name. Uh, just give me a minute. 
Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, scan this essay and send it to you because the essay seems to be quite nice, right? Yep. Oh, oh, oh. Where is it? Yeah, he's talking about this play which Dickens has read. I'm sorry, I've not been able to find it. I'll find it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll read a portion of this. So, where is it? earlier than this. Just give me a second. Household words, you know, I don't I think it's Wilkie Collins's play. I'm sorry. Yeah, is he saying that other? Yeah, this is before this. He's talking about Alaska and he's talking about how, uh, yeah, so he's talking about the deep freeze. No, what is it? Yeah, the frozen deep, right? Yeah, uh, yes, uh, that's uh, that's a kind of a play which, uh, yeah, how much of the frozen deep may have been Dickens's words, we cannot know, but it's certain that at every stage from uh, the planning to acting, he was deeply and emotionally involved, right? Yeah, so uh, that's uh, one of the plays that is important because it's uh, it's an 1856 play, yeah, and uh, it's to the attack, attack, and there's a movie also uh, uh, which is made, a modern movie is made, uh, which is actually showing how people behave when they're in a frozen place, right, and how you react when you're locked in a room, right, yeah. So uh, I've forgotten the name of the movie, right. It's, uh, I think it's called The Expedition. It's a new, uh, not very new, it's at least 20 years old, right? And that's showing you what happens to people when you're locked in, yeah? What happens when you're locked into a room or you're locked into your, in a cold place where you can't get out and do exercise, right? Yeah, and uh, you don't have any outlets and it's all men, that's, that's uh, as far as I remember the movie, right? So, uh, we are actually talking about what people do to each other, right, yeah, and we are also talking about the real, and it seems Dickens has read uh, Thomas Carlyle again and again and again, right, yeah, and uh, that's one of the things that you might uh, find interesting, yeah, and he goes back and he reads it again and again, and that's something that uh, makes a very strong impression when he is uh, uh, doing all this, right? Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then you have uh, Auden's lines, those who, whom evil is done do evil in return, right? So I'll, I'll send all this to you, right? So you have that which is something that characterizes Madame de Fudge, right? But when we're talking about the build-up of character, Right? Whether we talk, when we're talking about uh, the build-up of this man called uh, Jarvis Laurie, right? So he's there from the beginning of the text to the end of the text, right? Yeah, and uh, he's the oldest person in the team. He's even older than Dr. Manny. He's about 80 years old, and Manny is about 62, right? Yeah, and the, uh, these are much younger people, right? So he's one of the people there, right? And the kind of uh, the last bit of the novel is actually talking about how uh, this man called uh, Sidney Carton would be remembered, right? Uh, you talk about uh, it's not Sidney Carton because there's no real person like that, right? But we're talking about the human spirit, right? And we're talking about how high the human spirit can be, right? And uh, physical, it can you you can get killed, but you can stand up for something that you admire, something that you love, or a value, right? Yeah, and without hurting anybody else, okay, and being very dedicated and true because he doesn't even uh, betray Solomon and the faith that is put in him, 
right? Yeah, he could have said, well, I'm not Evermont, how am I here, right? And then Solomon, who has actually done all the nonsense in his past, right? Could actually be hauled up and put to death because he's an enemy of the Republic, right? Yeah, so that's one of the things that is interesting. And I don't know how to look at this. I've not even thought about it, right? But I find it very strange that uh, these are people, Lucy and her, the little Lucy, also are people with golden hair and blue eyes, right? And that's something that Hitler is talking about when he's talking about the Aryan race, right? So I don't know, I, I can't understand all that, right? So uh, the idea of the Aryan race and the Aryan race theory, and uh, yeah, if you see any of this, I grew up on war movies, right? So if you see the Odessa file, any of those things, right? Where this person whose father has been killed, goes to kill Roshman, right? Uh, he actually says, well, look at you. You are blue-eyed and blonde-haired, right? And you're the pride of the human race, right? So what happens over here is the blue-eyed and the blonde-haired are running away, right? Yeah, so that's uh, a characteristic of the aristocrat, right? So symbols change, colors change, right? And all those kind of interesting things keep happening in the history of humanity, right? Yeah, and of course, we're talking about 200 years after the French Revolution, right? And we're talking also about 220 years where Capitol Hill has not been um, uh, invaded or stormed, right? Yeah, so the storming of the Bastille is after the Boston Tea Party and after the American War of Independence, right? And the soldiers there, and we have soldiers here, right? So when you look at the text, you, you find, and of course the causes are different, right? Today we have white supremacist police and military, uh, yeah, who are on the side of the people who stormed into Capitol Hill, right? Yeah, and I don't know whether anybody can stand with them, right? But in the novel, you have the, the military people, uh, the soldiers and the police who are also on the side of the, uh, uh, the, Republic, the Republicans or the revolutionaries, right? So I think that's uh, a different story because uh, the French aristocracy uh, and the French uh, society was really very, very divided economically, right? And the oppression of the people was really terrible, right? So you can't, it's very difficult to uh, deal with this novel because at one level, where do you stand, right? You know that the poor people have actually been exploited, right? You have this account of rape of a poor girl, right? Yeah, and, uh, and rape and killing, and the killing of a brother, and all these kind of things that are done constantly, right? And uh, I don't think any of us has sympathy with the aristocrats for doing that, right? And if we do, that that's, means there's something wrong with us, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think that's okay at all. But the question is, the idea of revenge to another person, right? That's that's not even justified, right? Yeah, and that's what a lot of the idea of the identity politics which we have in India, right? Which we have in the United States, which is catching up all over the world, right? When we're talking about identity politics, the identity politics is involved with saying that you are not an individual and you are not a human being, right? You stand for a class, you stand for a caste, you stand for a race, right? So that is what is an important insight that Dickens is giving us, right? What happens to the individual in the time of revolution, right? Yeah, uh, you can take the Sikh policeman who's at the Babri Masjid, right? And when uh, all these guys go and storm into the Babri Masjid and he's wondering what's going to happen to him and I think he, he dies in the whole thing, right? Uh, you can uh, read the account over there, right? So the question is, what happens to the individual, right? Does an individual life not matter, right? And Dickens is giving you this kind of a mega picture of the revolution, right? He's going into details about some little pockets of the revolution, right? Yeah, you, you're giving the white shop, you're giving the hoi polloi, 
Okay, you're given all those kind of people. You're given the maki and his kind of lifestyle, right? You, you're given the the stoniness of the the aristocrats, right? So the novel definitely does all those things, right? So it's not it's not that Dickens is giving you a clear picture of what's going on, right? This is bad. Whatever the aristocrats did was bad, right? But when you talk about the revolutionaries, and when you talk about revolution, right? The question is, where does the revolution go, right? And you begin to wonder again and again, which revolution was good, right? So when you talk about uh, the Marxist revolution, right? And you talk about uh, the killing of uh, the Tsar and the Tsarina and all the children, right? Except uh, Anastasia, right? Because she's uh, probably half dead and they think that she's half dead and she's a, the, that's the whole story. And, uh, Queen Victoria doesn't look after her and all these kind of things, right? Uh, you might like to look at that, right? And uh, the idea of looking at, uh, and the question is where do you stand, right? And this is something very complex, right? Yeah, we go to the idea of uh, people who are against reservation, right? And they say, well, what have we done, right? We want an opportunity, right? But when you look at the Dalits, and you see what has been done to them for centuries, right? And they also want to be a part of our world and they want to be equal, right? Or you look at the Muslims who are Dalitized today, right? Yeah, they're human beings. But we forget that. With our identity labels of religion, with our identity labels of nation and nationality and all those uh, 19th century kind of understandings of the world, right? Yeah, so we have uh, all these very complex things that are happening in the novel, right? So, at one level, it's actually talking about how Christianity has taken a backseat, right? And how the ideas of Christianity, uh, though they are almost atheistically put, right? Yeah? And this is a person who's a drunk or who thinks that his life is over. He's probably uh, a person who indulges in... Uh, uh, what's this called? Uh, you know, mixes up with uh, sex workers, all those kind of things, right? Yeah, maybe he's a addict, a sexual addict also. That's only hinted at. Uh, we don't have any clear proof, but I think if we are readers of literature, that's hinted at again and again, right? Yeah, because he goes down by the river Sin, right? And he walks on the streets, all those kind of things. Uh, these are something that uh, uh, actually touches. Right? Yeah. So when we look at the novel, how do we look at it? Right? Yeah. And uh, uh, first of all, Dickens uh, is is a novelist who writes serials. Right? Yeah. He see, uh, he he puts things up in magazines. Right? And uh, the household word is one of the things that he does. Right? So he gives you a serial, and uh, the question is, how does the serial go on? That's one. Right? And how do you keep the end? How do you keep the reader hooked? Right? So that's where Dickens' strength lies, right? Because you write these small little pieces, right, for a magazine, and that's something interesting. Right? Yeah. The other thing that it does is it's talking about, yeah, by uh, I think one of you said they fly away to England. Yeah, they fly away on horseback, right? And you have the chase which is car chases today in movies, right? Okay, I don't know whether anybody before Dickens has done that, right? But uh, you have that again in uh, uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin, right? You have the whole idea of the chase. And you have, uh, uh, yeah, you had asked about the border, right? When you read uh, Huckleberry Finn, right? Uh, you have Jim and you have Huck, yeah? Uh, no, uh, you have, yeah. Huck and Jim, right? And at the end of it, some of the slave, uh, states are slave states and some of the slaves are free states, right? And you have this whole debate about Mark Twain. Why does Mark Twain make the, the division in the river and the raft flows off into slave territory, right? Yeah? So what has the novelist got to do with that, right? Okay? Uh, why does the novelist not make it that Jim moves into a free territory, right? Yeah, and is not uh, at all uh, across a boundary, right? What you asked, uh, Saloni, is very important, yeah? Because 
we must remember that uh, uh, Walter Benjamin and uh, Stefan Zweig are trying to run away from Germany, right? And I think Walter Benjamin uh, has a little more to run and he shoots himself because he doesn't want to be captured by the Nazis, right? Yeah, so, uh, and I don't know whether you can call him a Marxist. Uh, many people do, right? But I don't know whether I can uh, say that about him at all, right? Uh, but that's one of the, the targets that the fascist regime has, right? Yeah, so, so that's something that you might uh, like to look at where the border becomes a refuge, right? So people leave their country because they're being persecuted in their own country, right? And of course, people want the Rohingyas to be sent back to Burma, right? Uh, Myanmar, right? Uh, to be killed. Yeah, so many people want that. They're thirsting for blood. Right? And they say, why should we look after them and this and that and the other? Right? Look at what is happening to all the Muslims who have gone to Canada from India. Right? Because of persecution. For the fear of 2002, many people have left. And I've got students of mine who have left and gone. Right? And they said, we're not going to come back. And we want to take our families away because we can't trust this government and we can't trust the Prime Minister. Right? Yeah, and that's open and straight and everybody knows about it. I don't think we should be uh, hiding all this. Right? And even if we have, well, whatever that is. Right? Yeah? So, uh, when we're talking about the idea, of course, there were places in Europe, like Switzerland, like England, uh, where you would get uh, a more liberal culture. Right? Yeah? Uh, and that's, so you, uh, so London would be a more liberal kind of place, and it would be more cosmopolitan, and it's not France. Right? So, that's one of the reasons why it would happen. And of course, uh, how would France have anything to do with it? Like what Miss Post says, okay? He says, I'm the subject. Uh, I'm the subject of George III, right? Yeah, so that's what she says in the novel, right? And that's important because as a subject of the king, okay, of England, right, you can't be uh, uh, actually in trouble, right? And of course, she's worried about whether she'll be uh, arrested, Right? Whether she'll be arrested for murder, right? Though it's not murder, it's self-defense, right? So all that issue becomes very important, right? So first of all, uh, you have this idea of misleading, right? Yeah, which you have uh, in many different kinds of accounts, right? And we have the idea of situational ethics, right? And I remember a student uh, who's now in Canada, and uh, yeah, when I was teaching. Frederick Douglass, I don't know if you've heard, uh, yeah, I think you've studied Frederick Douglass, right? So, when I was teaching Frederick Douglass, he actually tells me, he says, yes, what is interesting is, Frederick Douglass was not honest, right? Uh, because he doesn't give all the money that he earns from the docks to his master at the end of the narrative, right? So, well, I said, yes, but uh, the question is, what is the, how do you, how can you be honest in a world where you're going to be killed, right? Or you're going to be a slave, right? So do you, what is that kind of honesty, right? And then it's only later that I understood that he came from a Muslim background and it's something that has got something to do with uh, Ibn Rushd, right? Ibn, Ibn Rushd and Thomas Aquinas, right? Yeah, because Thomas Aquinas is actually talking about this absolute uh, transparency. Right? The, uh, so it's a linguistic kind of uh, thing that he's talking about, right? Where what I do, I will be absolutely transparent, right? Now that's Thomas Aquinas, medieval, late medieval philosopher, right? And a Christian philosopher who's actually talking about the truth in one manner, right? But when we're talking about revolution, when we're talking about war, right? Can we be actually factually true to anything, right? The question is, whom are you saving more? Is your honor and principle more important than the life of a person, right? Is your nation more important than the life of a loved one? Is your friend more important than your nation, right? That's what E.M. Foster says, right? I must, if I have, I, I don't remember the exact words, right? If I have to choose between my friend and my nation, I hope I have the strength to stand by my friend and that's exactly what the novel is telling us, right? Yeah. 
So, and it's of course it's not about nation, it's just about him standing up for love, him standing up for a romantic idea. It's only a very romantic person who would do such a thing, right? And we might look at it as suicide. But whatever Stephen, uh, Sidney uh, Carton does, right? You might say that that's suicide, right? Do I have to commit suicide, right? Now, even that is questioned, right? So you, the idea of suicide is questioned. What is your, yeah, on one side you have the belt bombers who commit suicide and the suicide bombers, right? And you have this person who commits suicide for the life of another person, right? So is it suicide? I don't know, right? And of course, you have uh, the Muslim man who sacrifices his life for Sivaji, right? You have Maximilian Kolbe in the 20th century, right? Who's in, in a line and they're picking up uh, every 10th person or 9th person, something like that. And you can check the details, right? Yeah, and a man just like <clears throat> what you have in the novel, right? What is going to happen to my family, right? Okay, that's the concern of uh, uh, Dhani, right? Yeah, Charles Dhani, right? That's the concern, okay? And uh, this man cries. He says, look, I've been picked up because the Nazis was, was uh, shooting uh, just by random number, right? They wanted one person killed. Just like they want one head. They're counting one head. How many heads have dropped, right? That's what we have in the novel. Yeah, so the Nazis want to kill so many people in a day, right? Yeah, so they pick up a man and he cries. So, are they before Kolbe or after Kolbe, whatever his name, whatever he is, right? And Kolbe exchanges himself for him and he's killed and shot, right? Yeah, so it's not that this is just fictional, right? It is in fiction, certainly, but human beings, whether you take Sivaji, who's a historical character, right? Or you take Kolbe, who's a historical character in our own uh, 20th century, right? Yeah, uh, I think he's Polish, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So if you take these kind of people, right, you have this happening again and again, right? It's a kind of a Ur legend. That's what we talk about, right? An Ur idea, an Ur story. The structuralists say that there's no story. You're already your story is written, right? Yeah. So this is again playing up again and again. And I'm sure you know this structuralist, right? So the idea is how do you put and combine things together? Yeah, your story is already written. You don't have any new story to tell, right? Yeah, and the question is how do you combine all these bits and pieces, put them together and see uh, the total uh, development of your story, right? Yeah, so uh, you have, as I said last time, you have Boris Pasternak's uh, Dr. Zivago which is talking about the two regimes, right? And it's actually Pasternak uh, lives through uh, Tsarist Russia and through the Stalinist Russia, right? Yeah, and he's probably not comfortable with both of them, right? Neither the revolutionaries nor the Tsarist, right? And that's exactly what happens in this novel that we're talking about. Right? So, uh, we have all these kind of things, right? Or, when we talk about India and Pakistan, I don't know if people be happy, okay, as, as uh, my head professor, Dawe, uh, who's no more, right? Uh, he said very interestingly once, he said, the poor Maharaj of Baroda, he shouldn't have joined the Indian Union, right? Because Baroda has just gone down after he joined the Indian Union. And a lot of Maharajas also should not join the new Union, right? So maybe that's something that uh, we can think about, right? But uh, Baroda was a better state, okay, Maxo was a better state, Gondal was a better state, right? Then joining the Indian Union, right? So uh, for, all the, for all the nationalists who think of the Indian Union, uh, I don't know whether the idea of the Indian Union and the Indian nation and all those things are important because what has been lost over there is something important, right? Yeah. Now, do you think the tale of two cities is okay, right? Yeah, it's actually talking about uh, St. Anthony, right? And it's talking about London, right? 
yeah, and actually it's just going a bit to Paris, right? And it looks as if it's between Paris and London, right? And it's not talking about two cities at one level. It's talking about two kinds of people, the English, the French, right? Yeah, and it's also talking about the mentalities of different people in certain historical moments, right? And this is something that uh, in Europe you find very conscious, right? They talk about French food and English food. If you meet people and they say, oh, this is English food and this is French food and this is, okay, the whole idea of identity with food, with culture, with temperament, with historical kinds of antecedents and consequences, right? Yeah. So why are we not like the Europeans? And many people say, you know, this is happening in America. Yeah, that's happening in America, but this is happening in India, right? Yeah, and why? Yeah, so you can look at what is happening over there. We have a different history. They have a different history, right? Yeah, you can't, although the novel is talking about the universal, and I think Dickens actually is, uh, to the end, he's talking about the universal human being and all that kind of thing, right? Yeah, uh, whether uh, you actually, so can you make it universal, okay? And that's exactly where we're going to in uh, literature and art studies today. We're talking about uh, ethnicity, minor ethnicities, and we're talking about all those kind of things, right? Yeah, you can't club everybody together, right? At one level, Dickens, in his day, is talking about this kind of a general, right? The idea of the universe, right? And uh, you can also see that what is going on over here uh, is not a new thing, right? I only don't know the dates. I'll have to check up the dates of these novels. You have the great impersonation, okay? Yeah, where you have two people exchanging themselves, right? And uh, that's not about death, but it's talking about uh, uh, a person who changes his life and looks as if he's not who he is, right? Yeah, so the idea of identity, what is the self, okay? Is the self the body? Is the self not the body, right? Yeah. And uh, you have also real life incidents, right? Where people exchange themselves and run away. Like you have the hero over here uh, uh, changing with a person called Charles, right? And we also have a man who was caught in El Coquero uh, in Goa, uh, in Porvari, right? And that's Charles Shobraj, right? Who actually gets somebody who comes to interview him in his cell he he does the same thing and he gets out okay he gets out disguised right so that's one so you you don't uh, this whole idea of getting out of jail using somebody else and getting out criminals do it good people do it right yeah and the question of course is uh, sydney doesn't have uh, sydney uh, carton doesn't have any commitment uh, to France or the revolutionaries, right? And you don't have this kind of hardened nationalism, which is what we get today, right? Yeah. And of course, Brexit is again a kind of an English way of saying that we're not Europeans and we don't want to be Europeans, right? Yeah. And of course, that's again a kind of a divided vote, right? The Scottish don't like the idea and maybe you'll have a break between Scotland and the rest of Britain in some period of time, right? Because you'll, you'll actually have people moving away and saying that, well, what's happening in uh, in England is not good enough and what's happening in Britain is not good enough. We must have, uh, we must join the European Union because we get so many benefits, right? Yeah, so I don't know whether that's going to happen or that's not going to happen, right? And uh, that's uh, taking us back to this question about borders, right? And at one level, uh, these are independent states which have their own kind of uh, uh, history, right? Okay, uh, anybody else, uh, anybody wants any questions or uh, what What do you want to do? Yeah, you can just, I'm here to be uh, questioned, right? So you can question me as much as you like. Yeah. Any questions? Right? So have you got the characters, how are the characters placed? Right? Yeah, we take each of the characters, right? And let's look at them, right? So you get, who, who would you think are the protagonist? Right? Yeah. And that's what's interesting about the novel, right? 
Yeah, do you? Who is a protagonist? Yeah, can can we uh, Charles Darney? Right. Yeah, that he's he's probably one of them. No? So the novel is taking a different course, right? Yeah. So Charles Darney, yes, but uh, how and what does he contribute? What does he do? Right? He's not a he's not a major character, right? Yeah. And actually, yeah, yeah. There isn't just one. That's true, right? So you have Charles Darney, you have Manning, you have all these stories, but. It's actually talking about the character of a people. Yeah? It's actually trying to make a statement about that. It's also talking about the character of a city at a particular moment of time. Right? You can't say this is the character of the city for all time. Right? But when, and that's exactly what he's saying. Right? And then in the last bit, uh, Dani is saying, well, all this thing will be forgotten and this will be a great place one day. And the real revolutionaries will actually come up and set everything right because these are not real revolutionaries. Right? Yeah? So that's a kind of idealistic, romantic hope which he dies with. It's not that he dies as a bitter man. Right? And you can see what's happening between Charles Dani and uh, uh, Sidney Carton. Right? So Charles Dani is very much like Dr. Faustus. Right? Yeah, when he's looking at his death coming on, right? So you have that kind of streak which you see, right? And of course, it's not about him doing anything wrong. And you can see that death is coming in. So the treatment of death becomes important. And if I know I'm going to die, okay, is something that's taken up again by another uh, 19th century novelist, that is Dostoevsky, right? Who's actually almost been put to death, right? That's an idiot. You have this idea of, what happens to a person uh, in the last few minutes before they die, right? So you might like to look at that also because the idea of death is a very important theme over here, right? The idea of death, the idea of symbols, right? Like for instance, the, the red uh, on a, a pole, right? Yeah, and the idea of uh, the, the cockatrice and uh, uh, this idea of the kind of dress of the French uh, uh, Republicans, right? Yeah. So all those things are important. Yeah. And the idea of uh, what we have, which we say Jai Hind and Jai Bhim and uh, Jai Ram and Jai Shri Ram or whatever that is, right? That becomes an identity marker, right? Yeah. Of course, it's not religion. It's the nation, right? That's in the novel. Is the nation, and they said, well, uh, we have we are looking at an identity, right? So that's something that we get across text, yeah? So, at one level, we're talking about the characters. Uh, how do you look at Dani? These are rather slight characters, right? Yeah, Dani, and if you had to be made, at, the, at one level, he's a slight character. At another level, he stands for the modern human being because he doesn't use his aristocracy. He doesn't, he works as a commoner, right? And he's on the side of the commoners, right? He goes to save Gabel, or Gabel, however, however you pronounce it, right? Yeah, he goes back to France for that. He doesn't go for his own sake, right? So all those things are very noble kinds of traits in uh, this man called Dani, right? And of course, he's seen something brutal, right? That is, he's seen his mother talk to Dr. Manet, and he comes to know about that. Uh, when he actually proposes and when the letter is read and when all those things happen, right? Then he comes to know that, well, this is the same man who I saw as a boy, right? And what, what would this man do and how did this man feel when I was asking to marry his daughter, right? What went on in his head, right? What went on in his mind, a very important romantic kind of way of doing things, right? What happens in somebody else's mind when they're doing this, right? And this is very conflictorial, right? At one level, you actually, and these are real things that happen, right? Sometimes people don't disclose who they are, and then you come to know that, well, this is the person who actually did that, right? Yeah, so 
this is something uh, of realism which you also get, right? And these are things, yeah. Uh, yeah, you have a question, please ask it. Yes. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, 